We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 29, I believe. And the Yankees are back in first place after falling out of it very briefly this week. Um, this week, Scott is away. We got RJ on the show. What's up, RJ? What's up, Andrew? How you been? Good. How you been? Good. I saw you last week at the Bronx Pinstripes outing. It was good to see everybody. It was amazing. Lots of, lots of drinks. Not a lot of runs, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, I think Scott and I were talking about this. It, you know, thank God we were all just getting wasted because that game was brutal. <laughs> and we were sitting in like Toronto section. Yeah, were, all, the whole bleachers were just Blue Jay fans. I'm like, who are you? Get out of here! So many fair weather Blue Jay fans coming out of the woodworks. So many. And, and they and the thing that killed me is a lot of them were wearing the. Uh, it was cowboy hat giveaway, and they were wearing our cowboy hat. I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course, because they're not real fans. I don't take our cowboy hats. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I mean, talking about the Blue Jays, obviously, it seems like those are the, the biggest rival for the Yankees right now. Um, we were just talking about this before we started recording, but you say anything about the Blue Jays on Twitter, and you're going to have like 10 Blue Jays fans yeah, like, right. they're, they, in your mentions. Like, they're, I feel like they sit at a computer in a gang and just wait for somebody to say something, and yeah. then just, and you're like, where have you been the past two decades? <laughs> it's crazy, it's crazy. Uh, Scott is traveling in uh, Taiwan, I believe, and I'm actually kind of disappointed he's not on this week 
because I kind of wanted to give him some shit for everything that went down with the Jets this past week. <laughs> well, I, I guarantee you there'll, there'll be more things happening with the Jets for you to give him shit about. Yeah. It's the Jets. Yeah. He texted me when it happened, and he's like, you know, I try and defend them, but I really just can't because they just keep doing this crap. Yeah, it's it's – how do you get punched in the face by your own player? <laughs> Whatever. It's yeah. the Jets. It's like, it's... We got plenty of time to talk about the NFL coming up. Um, uh, but yeah. I'm uh, sure Scott's going to listen to this and probably yell at us. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's halfway across the world. He can't do anything about it. That's true. Not scared, uh, not scared of you, Scott. There was plenty of stuff to yell about for the Yankees this week, though. It was probably one of the worst weeks, uh, even though they just had a nice rebound over the weekend in Toronto. Obviously, we'll get into all that. But, you know, midweek, you're sitting there, and, and everyone was thinking the sky is falling, including yeah. myself. Oh, yeah. I, I thought this was this is the collapse. It's happening. They're going down. It's Toronto's division. But they turned it around. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of just in the nick of time, too, because I think if the Blue Jays took this series over the weekend and maybe even swept them again, it was going to be, you know, them looking at the Yankees in the rearview mirror the rest of the time. Oh, yeah, because their schedules, I feel like, a lot easier than ours because they're playing the Phillies next. Yeah, well, the Yankees couldn't handle the Phillies. No, 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 they couldn't. But I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) That's in the past. I try to forget that. Um, so before we get into all the breakdowns of the games and everything, uh, some news and notes to talk about, uh, Pineda, who's been injured pretty much since the trade deadline with that forearm issue threw off the mound for the first time last Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, it was a week ago that he threw and he reported absolutely no issues, which is good news. Yep. He'll be back. Uh, hopefully in a week or two. Well, yeah, I mean, they're probably going to have to ramp them back up, but yeah. um, probably looking at early September. Yeah, right when we need them. We need a, all the pitching we can get in September, the, the home stretch. Yeah, I mean, the Yankee starters, um, obviously, Tanaka had a great start. Nova had a good start over the weekend. But there was a stretch there where they could not even get past the sixth inning every night. Just so much stress on the bullpen. No, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just evident how much they need a guy like Pineda to go out there and and be what he's been all year, which is one of their best pitchers. Yep, they need somebody, at least one guy to go seven plus, just one. Save the bullpen one night, because the pen's starting to get, you know, beat up. I mean, can you blame them? They've they've relied on them all year. Yeah, and it's it's showing. It's time for the starters to step up. Um, so it was good news, obviously, Pineda threw off the mound. Um, I, I think when he went down with the injury, it sort of made everybody at the trade deadline freak out a little bit more. Um, it, it sort of felt like not only did we not get a starting pitcher, but we lost a starting pitcher. Yeah. Uh, so was, I think that was, that Twitter was breaking down when <laughs> when nothing happened at the trade deadline. Yeah. But we knew we knew the injury because Andrew Miller had it, and he was out for a month. So we knew it wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't like he was gone for the year. What do you think when he comes back? Do you think the rest is going to do him some good, or do you think he might struggle when he comes back? No, I think he'll come back and just pick up where he left off because that's what he did this year when he came back. Everyone was just impressed, so I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree. I mean, they were going to limit his innings anyway, so hopefully that uh, that just helps the cause there. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, you know, Joe's gonna <laughs> do what Joe does <laughs> always, always, always the binder. Um, all right, Greg Bird was also called up, and this took me by surprise. I don't know about you. I didn't see it coming. I was off Twitter for maybe an hour, and then I go back, and all hell's breaking loose because Greg, Greg Bird's coming up. 
So he was ranked as the fourth overall prospect in the Yankee system this year. Uh, first base, left-handed hitter, tall guy. Um, I mean, the, from what little I've watched of him, it looks like he hits a lot of line drives, which is good. But um, I did not expect him to be the next guy called up. I didn't either. His name wasn't even thrown around once. It's always been Ref Snyder, Severino, and Judge since he just went to AAA. I, no one mentioned Bird. Uh, he was untouchable, though, at the deadline for the Yankees. Oh, yeah. They said no way. Same thing with Severino. Like, pick anybody but them. We're not giving them up, which is nice to see, finally. And he got called up right after the Yankees lost in Cleveland for the second game, and they fell out of first place for the first time in, like, three or, or over a month, actually. I think it was July 1st was the last time they were not in first place. Yep. So they fell out of first place. Um, everyone's freaking out, and leave it to Cashman to call Bird up at that exact moment just to get people talking about something else. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it worked. A little youth never hurts, and it's it worked because they came back and they had a strong week. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he <laughs> uh, since he came up, they starting to hit a little bit more, and they they only lost one of those games since he came up. But I know I said this um, as soon as he got called up. You know, if this team is not going to go far this year, if they're not going to make the playoffs, which I do think they're going to make the playoffs, but, you know, if they tank, I'd rather see kids come up here and play than watch these veterans like Steven Drew go out there and just absolutely suck. I can't watch that for another month and a half. Absolutely. If if they're out of it, bring them up, see what they got, and then that gives you an idea for next season what you're going to do. I mean, not if they're I – mean, they're not going to be out of it because where they are now, but if they're starting to trend in the wrong direction – it's like don't keep going back to these veterans that we know are not producing. Give the kids a shot. I mean, it, it, you can see the energy that they bring when they're called up. It's definitely good for the team. It's good for the clubhouse. Yeah, they were saying on the uh, broadcast when uh, Bird was at his first, he made his first get start. He said he he walked in the clubhouse like he's been there for years. He was saying hi to everybody. They were old friends because at spring training he was just talking to everybody. Soaking everything in. Uh, A-Rod complimented him, saying he was one of the smartest players he's seen, and he's glad he's up. I mean, uh, youth can revitalize a team. Absolutely. We saw it a little bit with Ref Snyder when he was called up, and then we got Severino who came up and gave uh, definitely a little uh, boost to the starting rotation. I know he gave, you know, that game he pitched in his debut was electric at the stadium. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, fans want to see the youth. I think... Um, Cashman, you know, definitely made it a point to keep all of his kids, all the prospects. Um, so it's kind of different than the last 20 years of Yankees baseball that we're used to. Yeah, he, he knows come next season he's not going to have a draw. Like, who is drawing people to the stadium? Nobody. I mean, you could say A-Rod, but if, if you, and then you bring in these kids up, that's something to be excited about. You're like Severino, Bird, Judge, Refs. That's, that's, another, that's a making of another core. Absolutely. They're just, they're doing great. And, you know, these kids are finally, um, you know, at least respected around baseball for for being a top prospect. They could have gotten a guy like David Price at the deadline if they wanted to trade him. But they wanted to hang on to him. So, you know, I, I can't criticize Cashman for that at this point. No, I can't. I mean, because he's never done this. So, it's it's good. I'm glad he's finally hanging on to his kids and giving him a chance. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so let's get into some of these games over the last week. Um, as we, as I mentioned at the first uh, start of the show, the Yankees are back in first place. They fell out of first place, 
first place briefly, but they're 64 and 52 and a half game up on Toronto. And I think we are going to see a lot of flip-flopping first and second place between now and the end of the season between those teams. Yeah, it's going to keep going back and forth. I if if there's more than two games between them, I'll be surprised. It's just going to come down to whoever plays better in the head-to-head matchups and whoever is playing well at the end of the season to who wins between those two guys, those two teams. Yeah, they got uh, seven more games between each other before the season's out. So whoever wins those, I feel like is going to win the division. And the Yankees kind of did themselves a disservice over the last, you know, last weekend when they got swept by the Blue Jays, and then when they lost the first two in Cleveland. It's like, you know, Cle- or. Uh, uh, Toronto went on an 11 game win streak when they got Tulowitzki and Price. Like no one saw that coming. Yeah. You know, you're going to make up ground when you don't lose any games. But the Yankees in the, at the same time also went on a, like a 7 game losing streak or a 6 game losing streak. So it's just even if the Yankees played 500 in those games or even won one of the games last weekend against Toronto, we're looking at maybe a little bit more of a cushion. Yeah, but then then we're one one and a half up as opposed to just a half. And it would have been three in the loss column. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah. So, you know, you can say all you want, you know, how the Yankees are, you know, still right there. But um, hopefully this last week when they sort of all went into a funk does not come back to bite them in the ass at the end of the season. Uh, Let's hope. (laughs) So Tuesday in Cleveland, they had an off day after they got swept. um, And I thought, you know, maybe going on the road will, will sort of get their minds off things and get this team going again. And that 16-inning uh, loss, 5-4 to four to Cleveland, was probably one of the most frustrating games of the year because the bats didn't do anything. Uh, one through five in the order, get this, were combined one for 28 in that game. That, that's atrocious. I mean, that's kind and of... If, if, if Gardner and Ells aren't getting on, then you know you're just screwed because they're, they're the playmakers on the bases. And one through five, one through five, one for 28... Get out of here. You're not winning that game. Yeah, and one through five, you know, that's Gardner, Ellsbury, A-Rod, Teixeira, and McCann. Those five guys are the most important, have been the most important offensive players for the Yankees all season. They've carried this offense. Absolutely. And they all went went into a slump at the same time. (laughs) Hey, guys, let's go right now together. Let's just start sucking. Like, okay. You can handle if one or two of them stop hitting. You can sort of manage it. But, oh, man, when all five, it's just like. One yeah. two three inning after one two three inning, yeah, it, it's like their their half innings went by in thirty seconds. Yep, but then Cleveland was up there for twenty minutes. That's how it felt. That's how it felt. The game lasted like five and a half hours, and that's how Ugh. it felt. Brutal. Um, but but despite that, uh, they still battled, and Beltron and Headley each had huge hits, and they were winning in that game. And um, going into the tenth, they had a two run lead. And Miller had probably one of the most demoralizing blown saves of the season. Yeah. His only that, blown save of the season. Was, that was the first of the season. We're in August, mid-August, and just, that's his first blown save. I'll take that. But you're right. It was, it was so close, and we, need it. we needed it. We just got swept. We need to get on the right track and blown save. It doesn't, doesn't taste good. So I wrote something after um, the next loss that uh, I sort of broke down the top five reasons why I felt the Yankees had fallen out of first place. And number four on that list was Andrew Miller for blowing that one save. I know Andrew Miller has been, you know, pretty much perfect all season. Like we said, first blown save, but that is not a blown save. That That's like the worst possible time to blow a save. Yep. That's, it's just, that's, that's four losses in a row. Yeah. It went on, it went on to be five eventually the next day. That's, 
that's the worst possible time he could have decided to blow him safe. Um, and uh, Severino started that game. He looked pretty rough in the first couple innings. Cleveland was hitting him. I got his stats right here. He went six innings, gave up seven hits and uh, two runs, so he definitely battled. Uh, but he settled in after the third inning, which is something you like to see out of the rookie. Absolutely. Um, I mean, seven, two runs on seven hits, that's after he struggled. I'll take that every start It just if the offense decides to show up. And it's it, they've pretty much said they're not going to push Severino past six innings. That's pretty much his limit because he hasn't really been stretched out in the minors. So for him to be battling, you know, in the first inning, uh, he was at 42 pitches after the third inning and he ended up throwing, I think, 84 pitches in the game. So you figure he really settled down and started to pitch well. Yeah, absolutely. What's your feelings on him, uh, you know, through those first two starts? What, what were your feelings on him? Do you think he has had sort of started to live up to the hype that we heard about him? Absolutely. Despite um, taking the loss, well, two losses, right? Yeah, yeah, two losses. Yeah, he's 0 for 2 now, yeah. I, it, but that wasn't on him. I don't say, I don't look back and go, oh, the Yankees lost that game because of Severino. No, it was the offense just decided to not show up. But I absolutely think he lived up to the hype, and I can't wait to see him for the remainder of the season and next season, and hopefully forever. Hopefully <laughs> much longer. Yeah, yeah, they gave him number 40, which was Ming Wong's old number. So That's right. You know, and they also gave Greg Bird 31, so it's sort of, you know, when you see them call these kids up and they're not getting number, like, 74 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like 68 or something. You're like, yeah. what? Oh, that's, that's potentious, but... Yeah, but, but, but still, you, uh, it shows they have confidence in these kids. Yeah, absolutely. Or they're, that's just the only remaining numbers they have. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the first uh, triple-digit number to be retired. Yeah, it's, it's... Or, like, fractions or letters. It's coming. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple mailbags right after this game. I think some people were pissed. So I'm going to read these and let's uh, let's react to these. So um, Alex Fulton, on Twitter, he's at Broton, B-R-O-T-R-O-N. Um, he said, what a frustrating loss to Cleveland in the 16th. I really felt the importance of that game, even more so than the last series versus Toronto. I felt like that was when we either were going to turn it around or walk away from the season. I'm not saying it's over, but I feel like if we we're going to fight... It would have been before that 16th inning walk-off from Cleveland. They suck. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Don't chalk it up to good pitching because in that last 42 innings, we've scored four runs. Frustrating loss, guys. And then, like, 20 minutes later, he emails it again. Also, I'm not done. When is our manager going to remember that Adam Warren was a starter for this team two months ago? Stop taking him out after he goes one, two, three, and extras. He's an asset to the pen and being treated like a risk every time he's out there. Um, and also, I had to, just so everyone knows, I had to remove like 45 swear words from that <laughs> from that rant. But uh, Alex, uh, thanks for thanks for emailing in. Love the passion there. But I, think, I can't disagree. No, I think Alex just said what we all want to say. Like, mostly about Adam Warren. Like, why are you, are you one, two, three, and get the hell out of here, dude? If you're in extra innings, you know your pen's going to be stretched and just beaten. You gotta use Adam Warren more. Same thing. With, he does the same thing with Chase and Shreve, who's probably the one of the better, the, the best arm in the pen besides Batances and Miller. He he sends him out there for one or two outs, and then that's it. And then the next day, oh, we can't use him. They got used yesterday. Get get the hell out of here, Girardi. Alex, I 100 percent agree with you. Yeah, I mean his bullpen management is definitely questionable. I mean. 
Obviously, I went on a rant last week about how he made a bunch of bad moves over the weekend, last weekend in, uh, versus Toronto. And, uh, you know, there's questionable moves. Like, Warren, like Alex said, is he can go more than one inning. He's not going to go five innings because he's not stretched out to that length anymore. But he can definitely go two, if not three innings in a in a much, you know, in a crucial extra inning game right now. Absolutely. In a game that you, you need to win because you just got swept and you've lost first place. You need you need to I don't know. I just can't I can't put into words the frustration of Girardi's bullpen management. Yeah, and, and I definitely felt like after they lost that game in Cleveland, that was you know, it was really heading downhill. I knew they were gonna lose the next night and you know, Wednesday they lost two to one. CC pitched well. I mean, he battled, uh he he um he went six innings. He had 100 pitches in the sixth inning, and I know we've talked a number of times about how, you know, five to six innings and 100 pitches is CC's limit this year. You know, you try and push him past that, he's going to get hit. So it was a one-to-one game at this point. He comes back out for the sixth, he's up over 100 pitches, and he ends up giving up a run. You know, I can sit here and I can bash Girardi for that, but at the same time, you know, the pen just had to go pitch a 16-inning game the day before, so... Yeah. He needed a little bit of length out of the rotation. Did you agree with sending CC back out there, or would you have gone to the pen? No, I agree. For the, for the first time, I think I agree with how he handled the starter um, because they did just the pen just did work the night before, and you don't want to you don't want to potentially lose a guy for the season just because you know CC's had a hundred pitches. Like CC's a big guy; he's he's the workhorse. He's going to eat those innings and pitches. So I agree with what he did there. And the Yankees only scored on a solo home run in that game. So, you know, just more of the same old stuff. Just could not hit for, um, like, seven straight games. Nope. But, um, but, but I was impressed with CeCe's ability to fight in that game, just like I was against the Red Sox um, when, he, when he sort of, you know, got a little extra juice up there for 94 miles an hour to, to Big Poppy. That was, so, that, was, that was amazing. Yeah. So he was I, so fired up after that. I'm seeing steps of improvement out of CC. Yeah, I think that's why Joe put him back out there in the six when he was over 100 because of the start he had in Boston. He was, it was coming off possibly his best start of the year. And then so he had confidence in him, so he put him back out there. You know, CC's not going to be, um, obviously, CC from four years ago. And he's probably going to go out there every now and again and still get hit pretty hard. But I, I think we know he has the capabilities of... of Minimizing damage and and getting into the sixth inning, and it's sad to say, but that's really what his ceiling is right now. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's he seems like one of the guys, if not the only guy in the in the rotation that can take damage like that, but then settle it down and, and keep the damage to a minimum. It just it's up to the offense to give him some support, which doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, obviously he deserved better than a loss in that game, but absolutely. Um, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Same old, same old story with the offense. Um, yeah. Thursday, they finally got a win, um, even if it was excruciating and painful, because obviously they couldn't just have an easy, you know, eight to two victory. It had to be a nail biter towards the end, eight to six win. Of course. Um, and in the first inning, the uh, Ellsbury and Gardner lead off. They get on base. And then Beltron, who was playing for A-Rod, or was, yeah, I think he was DHing. Beltron pops up, and then Teixeira pops up, and you're sitting there, you're like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, Every time, same story. 
finally Ellsbury and Gardner get on base back to back. You know, we've been waiting for this for two weeks, these guys yep. to get going again. And you're going to waste this sort of, um, you know, momentum here. And the Yankees have been one of the best, actually the best first inning team all year. They score a ton of runs in the first inning. Yep, lead the league. Yeah. Um, and, you know, first two, you know, pop up, pop up, and I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm ready to tweet something angry. <laughs> and McCann, one of the biggest hits of the year, goes deep, three-run bomb. Yeah, uh, it was barely. It was, if I remember, it was just barely over the um, – it was right field, and it just barely, it barely made the uh, foul line. He was he was watching it too. He was leaning over trying to see if it's going to go, and we're all sitting there holding our breaths. And finally, it's a home run. Let's get some runs finally. Yeah, and I'm just going to correct myself from what I said. It was actually A Rod and Beltran who popped up. Teixeira did not play in that game, but regardless, uh, yeah, McCann. I think that to that to that point on Thursday was maybe one of the biggest hits of the season for the Yankees because it finally got them, you know, to to relax a little bit, I think. Um, and we saw it because the Yankees eventually, you know, scored eight runs in that game, but they jumped out to a four, nothing lead, um, which is what we've seen all year from this team. Um, some other things from this game was uh, Greg bird made his debut in this game. He did not get a hit, but he hit a few line drives, one to right field, one to left field that sort of got robbed. I actually thought he swung the bat pretty good, even though he didn't get a hit. Absolutely, he made he made great contact. He looked um, he looked like he was uh, he was calm at the plate. The moment wasn't too big for him. He was he looked like he was knew what he he knew what he was doing, and just you know tough luck you're hitting right to somebody. But he looked good. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I guess it's just something you know an eye test you can see. You can tell when a guy is either a major league hitter or not a major league hitter, and he looks like a major league hitter. Absolutely, he's he's patient and a rod credit him saying he's one of the smarter one of the smartest hitters um that that he's talked to and so i'm excited to see what happens also uh in this game uh our boy evaldi pitched and since scott isn't here to always back up evaldi even when he's terrible (laughs) um i don't know i actually don't know your feelings on evaldi but uh before before we get to that he he was spotted a 4 nothing lead, and he let Cleveland back into the game. He only goes five and a third innings. He had 104 pitches. He ended up giving seven hits and four runs. Um, and it's like, I know his record says he's 12-2, and two, but it's games like that that piss me off because your team's on a losing streak. Go out there and go deep into the game. Nut up for me and, and prove <laughs> that like, you got a 4 nothing lead. Just go out there and throw strikes, pound the zone, and I don't know, you just can't do it. Uh, I, he's twelve. I know he's twelve and two. Yay, he got the win, but it's still frustrating as hell. Like, how do you you have a four zero lead to the Cleveland Indians, who I believe are last in their division? Um, and you go five plus innings as always. You can't give me just one game of maybe seven, seven and a third. Um, I don't know how Scott constantly backs him up, but his record is like okay, yeah, but. Come on, dude. Yeah, so so you know, I just said how CC is you know five to six innings, and we're okay with that because he battles and keeps the team in the game. But that's his ceiling. Yeah. The ceiling for Evaldi is not five and a third innings; it's no. seven or eight innings. He, I he see be, he, he should be going way deeper in the game. Yeah, it's like I see the potential there, and and the stuff is good. He's got a high nineties fastball, and, and you know when his splitter and curveballs work, and it's pretty you know it's definitely average to above average. But just time after time, I see him go out there and just give up. Make bad pitches, you know, leave his fastball out over the plate and give up hits. And it's like, 
that's more frustrating to me than than CC, who I know just probably doesn't have it anymore to, to yeah. go out there. Yeah, I mean, I've been waiting for the moment where Evaldi just implodes, but he's twelve and two. I can't, I can't explain it. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to explain it. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, back, uh, I don't remember the year. I think it was two thousand seven when the Red Sox signed uh, Dice K. And he come he came over to from Japan, and every game he was going like five five and a third innings, but he was only giving up like one run, throwing 110 pitches, you know, getting out of getting out of jams, and it was extremely frustrating to watch a game that he pitched in. But then at the end of the season, he was like 18 and six. Yeah, Valdi's leading the freaking rotation with 12 wins. Nobody, nobody, not even Scott saw that coming back in April. And uh, he, you know, he always gets good run support. But also the bullpen pitches great in his games. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> There's, it's like he, I don't know, maybe he has bought them all cars or takes them out to steak dinners all the time. <laughs> so that's why they're always helping him out. But it would be nice if they did that for the other guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. He's sitting there with a 12, with 12, 12 wins, just sort of, you know, counting his wins and, and team can't get wins for other guys. So I can't explain it. No, can't either. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> Miller got the save in this game, but he gave up a run. Um, are you concerned at all with Miller recently? I'm not because like we said, it it was his first blown save the game before of the year or in August, late August. I'm not really concerned. I mean, I'm not comparing him to Mo, but you know, Mo blew saves. Mo gave up runs. Um, Mo actually blew two world series, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> it's going to happen. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Unless it's happening consistently, then I'll probably hit the panic button. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not hitting the panic button. Panic button. I'm not taking him out of the closer role, but he definitely has not been the same guy since he came back from that injury. Yeah, it looks like he's been battling more. And um, but with I feel like with Patances, we always have the option. So if something does happen, it's not like our whole season's gone. But maybe he's just got to. Maybe he's his arm angles off, or he's got to work with the pitching coach. But I think he'll be fine. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to be the closer. I don't think Girardi's taking him out, uh, barring an no. injury at this point. Yeah, no way. All right, so they got out. They escaped Cleveland with a win. Uh, huge win. Obviously needed it. Um, but still, they were going in Toronto, down a half game. The Blue Jays had not lost since they got uh, at the trade deadline when they got too low in price. Um, and I know we talked about it at the Open, but it, it, two teams uh, like – Heading in complete opposite directions, <laughs> Yankees heading straight down the shitter. The Blue Jays heading, you know, everyone had them penciled into the World Series. Um, and the Yankees went in there, sold out crowd in in Toronto. And um, Friday night in the eighth inning, we're losing three nothing. Prices mown us down, and it looks like they're gonna they're gonna go down quietly, and everything just changed like that. Um, you know, finally Headley got got a big hit. He got a, a, a ground rule double to get things going. And then, honestly, probably the biggest hit of the season so far for the Yankees and definitely the biggest hit of Beltran's Yankees career, a pinch hit, three-run home run, four to three Yankees, just turned around in an instant. Yeah, well, if, when I saw Beltran coming, I was like, I, Beltran's not doing terrible, but he's not the guy I want to have up when you need runs. So he jacks that pinch hit homer and I lost my shit. It was definitely the biggest hit of his career and the biggest hit of the season because you're, the Yankees were coming off a five-game losing streak. 
before they beat Cleveland. And then Toronto was going for their franchise record 12th win in a row. So to be able to stop that was awesome. Yeah, and um, it's just one of those things. It's like the the Blue Jays are, the, are sort of like the bandwagon team at this point. You know, you got you got all the fans like we talked about. You got Drake tweeting about him and, you know, adding him into, the, <laughs> in, into his battle raps. It's just like I, I just all of a sudden I just hate the Blue Jays. I never have hated the Blue Jays before, but now I hate them. We've never had a reason to hate the Blue Jays because they're the Blue Jays. You see them on the schedule and you're penciling in wins, but now I don't know what happened. They're there. They're annoying. Their so-called fans are up your ass whenever you tweet about them. It's like last year was the Royals. This year it's the Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't have uh, any much hatred to the Royals because they didn't, you know, the Yankees were yes. in the division. Yeah, but, and yeah. the same thing. They were the Royals. They weren't, you know, doing much. But now, freaking Toronto's making moves and acting like the Yankees spending money and giving away players. And it worked because they won an 11-game win streak. But after Beltron hit that three-run homer, you could hear, you know, a pin drop in, in the Sky Dome and, uh, or the Rogers Center. Yeah, it um, sounded like uh, every year before this year. <laughs> sounded like you mean like three months ago when there yeah, was no one in the stadium? true. Like pre-trade deadline. Nobody in the stadium, and if there were, uh, they were Yankees fans, and they were rooting for the Yankees. The Yankees drew a crowd no matter where they go. You could see Yankees fans in, the, in every stadium, but now all of a sudden Toronto is just Blue Jay country. And not a Yankees fan in sight. Get out of here. Um, so Miller got the save in this game, and it, w- it was a tough save. Uh, second and third with two outs, two lows at the plate, and he has a 12-pitch battle. And uh, this weekend I was actually up in Vermont. Um, I was at a friend's lake house, and there was absolutely no cell service. We had Wi-Fi, but it was it was kind of spotty. So we're listening uh, on my phone, you know, to the to the to the last inning. Um, one of my good friends is a Yankees fan as well. And we're, you know, we're outside absolutely going nuts this entire at bat. He finally gets him um, on a slider, 3 2 pitch. And, um, you know, just everyone was fired up. Yeah, that was, that was incredible. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was expecting Tulo to do Tulo things and just walk off. But that 12 pitch battle was insane. Like, that's going back to concerns with Miller, not after that. Exactly. I was just going to say that. You know, um, even when Miller doesn't have his best stuff. You know he's going to battle. Um and he's going to he's going to make the other team earn it. So um yeah, I mean just huge, absolutely huge. And um Saturday, you know, just got even better for the Yankees. How many times, you know, have we talked about how the Yankees don't have an ace and how um you know, Tanaka can be an ace, Pineda can be an ace, but neither of them pitch like it consistently. Well, Saturday Tanaka goes out there, complete game, one run, 8 Ks. Um, you know, exa- like best pitching performance of the season by any Yankee starter could not have asked for anything more. Yeah, that was the Tanaka of last season that we all were waiting for. We're sitting here waiting. When's it going to happen? Is he still injured? Does he need surgery? Is Tommy John coming? So, and then he goes in. He goes into Toronto, into that hostile ballpark against that jacked lineup, and throws a complete game for the, their third win in a row. It was incredible. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like you just said, I mean, that, that the Blue Jays crushed the ball anywhere, but in, in that ballpark, um, they're just unreal. Um, and, uh, you know, Tanaka was, 
prob maybe his biggest pitching performance for the Yankees of his you know short two year Yankee career. Um, I don't remember if any Yankee starter has had a complete game this year. I probably should have looked that up, but um, <laughs> but uh, I mean just couldn't have come at a better time. Teixeira and Beltran also went deep. Ellsbury had two hits, um, so he's starting to break out of it a little bit. Four um, one win. You know they win the series. That that was the goal going in. You just got to win the series, and that's yep. what they did. That's all that matters, and they did it. Uh, Sunday, unfortunately, they could not get out of there with the win. Um, Severino started, and uh, you know a lot, a few things I want to talk about from this game. Even though it was a three-one kind of lame loss, uh, first is um, Ellsbury had two more hits today. We're recording this on Sunday, so we had two hits Saturday, two hits Sunday. Um, starting to bust out of it a little bit, so that's good news. Um, and you know, hopefully Gardner can come around too because you mentioned it earlier. Those two guys need to start hitting for this offense to go. Yeah, they're the bread and butter. If they're on base, you got steel threats, and then they're get, they get into pitchers' heads. If both of them are on, I don't know why they haven't done double steals this season, honestly. But um, going back to Jacoby's two hits, one of those was the home run, and that was the one run of the game. So it looks like Jacoby, whatever he did in his off days, worked. Yeah, I mean, I'm done. Um, I'm done asking Gardner to steal bases. Yeah, yeah it's just like he just stopped. Like, ah, I'm not doing that anymore. And it's frustrating, but what are you going to do? I mean, he got thrown. I know it was a hit and run uh, in Cleveland when he got thrown out, but he got thrown out by like seven feet. Yeah, it was, I don't know what happened. He's not the old Gardner. Ever since last season when he just broke out and just started hitting home runs, it seems like he wants to be the power guy now instead of the speedster. But Yeah, he's you know. always been kind of an average base dealer despite the fact that he's fast as hell. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought Ellsbury coming over, who's a great base dealer, stole 70 bases for the Red Sox uh, you know, a few years ago would maybe um, help him, but doesn't seem to have worked. Uh, regardless, though, um, Ellsbury's hitting. You know who's not hitting? Uh, that's our boy A-Rod. And that's our 40-year-old A-Rod. Um, he's starting to look like our, our 40-year-old A-Rod. <laughs> and those hips, are, those hips don't lie, Andrew, I'll tell you. <laughs> In his last 10 games, batting a buck seventy-five, and he has not had a home run since his birthday in Texas, which was July 27th. That's almost a month. What do you think? You think it's just, you know, he's feeling the the effects of the, of, of the season, starting to wear down a little bit, um, or do you think, you know, there's something more wrong? No, I think it's definitely the grind. I mean, it's August. It's hot as shit everywhere. Uh, he's 40 years old. Like, we all, we all expected him to have a slump eventually, and it seems like it's here. It's He said after today's game that he felt like shit, but you have to grind through it. Everyone is going to go through times like this. So it seems like he is starting to feel the effects. I think he probably needs a mental day or two. Maybe Girardi will give that to him. Yeah, now that you got Bird, you put Bird in the DH spot or Tex, whatever you want to do, and just give A-Rod a couple days off. Yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. And um, I don't think moving him down in the lineup or anything like that is the right move because I think we saw how how productive he's been when he's producing for the Yankees in the three-hole. Um, that 3-4-5 of A-Rod, Teixeira, and McCann has carried this team. So I think what you got to do is you got to give them maybe Monday um, and maybe even Tuesday as well, uh, days off. Just get them some cage work, and then hopefully he can come back strong. Yep, I and mean, it worked for Ellsbury, so. Yeah. Um, so Severino made his third start in this game, and um, everything was going fine. He was had two outs in the third inning, was cruising, 
and uh, Tulo hits a fly ball to right field, and Beltran loses it in the sun. Uh, it was originally called an error, but I think they changed it to a double. They changed it to a double. <laughs> that's I don't understand that. Um, nope. I guess if the guy does, if the player doesn't touch the ball, it's technically not an error. But um, I mean, that's a routine. That's a routine medium fly ball. Yeah, that's a fly ball outfield. You got to you got to be there. You got to get it. Beltran's a vet. He's been around long enough. You know, you know the sun's up there, and but it, it's not. I don't give all the blame to Beltran. Severino. Um, after that double, not error, for some reason, he gave up three runs, including a two-run bomb to uh, Joey Bats. So he needs to, after an error like that, he's, he needs to settle down and say, okay, he had two outs, you know, one more out, let's get out of this. So the blame's on both of them, really. I mean, I'm actually totally totally with you on that. Um, you can say, you know, it's a bad break. Uh, the kid, you know, should have been out of the inning, and maybe that's, um, he's thinking that. But... You can't do that as a starter. You got to say, okay, it was an it was a bad play. I'm going to turn around. I still got two outs. I'm going to get this next guy and get us out of here. Um, you know, in his first start against Boston uh, uh, at the stadium, Headley made an error, and then he kind of had a brain fart and threw a meatball to Deaza, who's a terrible hitter. Yeah, who the Deaza? <laughs> get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's like you know, he Deaza's not a great hitter, and he throws him a meatball down the plate, and it's a double, and it's a run. So. Kind of seems like maybe he has a mental lapse after his team makes an error. It seems like it, and that's that's I think that's just because he's a rookie. I mean, this isn't the minors. You gotta you gotta nut up and just get out of the inning. And uh, today it was a hanging slider, but uh, to Batista, who's not going to miss that. Oh no, no, no way, hell! Especially so, in Rogers Stadium. So what I want to say, I mean, I've 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 been very impressed uh, overall with Severino, and I, I think he, what did he go six innings again today? Yep. So you know, six innings in all three of his uh, starts um, kept the team in the game. Um, unfortunately, got the loss today. I think that makes his record zero and two. But they've lost all of his games. But um, I've been impressed with his stuff. But I think you know the command will start to come, and he needs to he needs to bear down and and. and he needs to pick up his team after that, yeah. you know. Yeah, he does. He needs to, he needs to be a leader because he's definitely got, uh, he like he's got the stuff. Um, he once he gets stretched out as well, once they decide to put him past six innings, um, even more so, he has to start you know, uh, just bearing down and getting through it. Because when you're rel- say say he was the starter after that uh, sixteen inning game, like we need you to go out there and have a good in have a good outing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just thank God it wasn't Evaldi who was going out there after that 16-inning game. So, <laughs> um, all right, so upcoming schedule. They're, they're starting a 10-game homestand, which should be good because I think this team is a much better offensive team at home. Obviously, they hit a ton of home runs. Uh, three versus the Twins and then four versus the Indians. We just saw the Twins a couple weeks ago. Um, won that series, um, and hopefully they can get some redemption against the Indians uh, four games at the, at the stadium. Um, you know, you know, I think this home stand could be good. Um, you know, if it, what you got to concentrate on is not, you know, looking at what Toronto's doing, you got to just win series and I think things will work out. Yep. And you got, um, Saturday, you got Jorge Posada number being retired and Sunday is Andy Pettit's number being retired. Those two games against Cleveland. Are you going to be at any of those games? I was going to until I decided to move. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I have tickets. I have tickets to both, but not anymore. Yeah, let's let's talk about this. So uh, you're moving down to DC, 
And, um, you know, congratulations. You got a job down there. Uh, that's awesome. But, I mean, you're kind of just stalking Bryce Harper. And that's I'm, why you're going not, down there. I'm not stalking Bryce Harper. I really did get a job. I can prove it if I need to. I need pay stubs. I need to see pay stubs. I'll send you my offer letter. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're a big Bryce Harper fan, though. I'm a, I'm, you could call it a fan, I guess. Yeah. We'll go with that. Sounds better. My girlfriend likes it when I say fan. <laughs> Does it ever come between the two of you? No, she couldn't. Get out of here. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Harper's electric. He's awesome to watch. I just can't wait until he's in pinstripes in a few years. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, and I am excited to go to Nationals Park because it's cheap. <laughs> I know, right? You could probably get like a a box seat for the price of an upper deck ticket at Yankee Stadium. I looked, I looked it up. Behind home plate at Nationals Park is three hundred and fifty dollars. Really? Yankee I mean, Stadium. That's a, that's at least a grand. Yeah, yeah. Because you got like the sushi bar and like the the legend yeah. suite and everything. Yeah. Full waiter service. Yeah. Uh, Three hundred fifty bucks. I'm excited. Maybe next year for the Bronx Pinstripes outing, Scott can, um, you know, go for the Legend Suite and <laughs> pony up the money for all okay, of us. Okay, I don't think our site's doing pretty good. It's not doing that good. <laughs> nah, I enjoy the bleachers. Yeah, it's unless it's full of Toronto fans. I'm just not so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right, three, so three you know, wins four Indians and then seven more against good old Toronto before the season's out. Absolutely, it was it was a nice turnaround after a lousy start to the week, so I'm happy that happened. And uh, RJ, uh, thanks for coming on the show. What's your Twitter handle so people follow you? Twitter handle is at those RJs. And uh, for everyone out there, just please excuse all of the Nationals tweets upcoming from those RJs. <laughs> I'm not, not a Nationals fan; he's a Yankees fan. Just yes, I am. But Bryce Harper, come on. So if it's if it's uh, Nationals Yankees uh, World Series. You're going to be torn? No, I'm going to go with the Yankees. <laughs> uh, I'll be like, yay, Bryce Harper, but go, you go Yankees, I guess. That would be, that'd be a hell of a World Series. Not that it would happen. Yeah, Nationals are really starting to fade it, quickly. It's it's unreal what's happening to them. Like, why are the Mets in first place? God, if for... I don't know. I was listening to WFAN uh, earlier this week, and people had the you know Mets and Blue Jays penciled into the World Series. I'm like, living in bizarro world over here. Uh, I would have probably killed myself. Yeah. All right, man, thanks for coming on, and uh, you know, hopefully the Yankees can continue to win series just like they did against the Blue Jays and stay in first place. Catch you guys next time. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.